well, open your Bible now with me to the book of Hebrews, to chapter 6, and I want us to pick up with verse 9. Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to pick up with verse 9. Three weeks ago tonight, we began a series of lessons entitled Christian Maturity. In that lesson, I emphasized the one three weeks ago about the vulnerability of those who are new Christians and how that back in chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, he says, For each of us to beware, lest there be an evil heart of unbelief and falling away from the living God. In chapter 5, beginning with verse 11, going through chapter 6 and verse 3, he describes the events that take place when a person is not growing and they fail to grow as they should. And then in verses 4 through 8, he describes the consequences of that. In each of these lessons, I have made reference to those verses. I want to go back now. I want to pick up with verse 9 and read through verse 12. But, beloved, we are confident better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who faith inherit and patience inherit the promises. I want you to observe, he's talking about the things that accompany, things that go along with salvation. When you look in verse 10, the things that went along with it was the good works that they were doing. Brother Tommy read for just a few moments ago from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And there we learn that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. And that God has beforehand or has ordained that we should walk in them. As you think about things that ought to go along with being a new Christian, we talked about the vulnerability, the growth in knowledge and wisdom, last week the growth in faith, and tonight we're going to talk about growing in good works, and that being a part of becoming a new Christian and doing what a Christian ought to do. Tonight I really only have two basic, simple points. The first one, I want to look at good works and God's people. Good works are something that you and I learn to do. Something that we can be taught to do. And I want you to begin with me by going to the book of Titus. The book of Titus. Paul is writing Titus. Titus is on the Isle of Crete, the island of Crete. It's a rather large island, more than one city there. And he told him that he ought to set in order the things that were lacking or wanting and ordain elders in every city as Paul had given him charge. 
there were things that were lacking in those congregations. As I began to try to understand what those things were, plural, then I have to begin to look at what Paul goes on to say in verses 12 and 13. And there he says that the Cretans, according to their own writers, were liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Now, I want to key on those last words there, lazy gluttons. You know, there can be a society that's developed that are lazy. And Paul is saying to rebuke these people so that they may be sound in the faith. Tell them this is the way you need to live. I must assume by what Paul said that part of that is with regards to good works. If you'll turn with me now to Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. And he says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Why does he use the word zealous? This is something that should characterize our intense desire to do good works. But now if you go on to chapter 3 with me and look at chapter 3 and verse 8, he comes back to this idea. He said, this is a faithful saying and things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works these things are good and profitable unto men. He said, I want our people to learn this. It's something that you and I need to have as a part of our characteristic is to do good works. Drop down with me to chapter 3, verse 14. He said, and let our people learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they be not unfruitful. As I began to look at what was lacking among the Cretans, it appears to me there was a lack of zeal and a lack of understanding that good works is to be a part of who we are. So it's something that you and I learn. It's something that you and I do as we stir it up in one another. There are people who are able to bring out the best in us. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, And let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. So it's something that we learn, something that others stir up within us. Now the second thing that I want to emphasize about good works and God's people, it's something that God has prepared us for. I want you to turn with me now to the book of Colossians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. If you haven't figured it out yet, we're going to use a lot of scripture in the lesson tonight. And as Paul is addressing the attitudes that go along with giving and that the Corinthians were to do as a cheerful giver, he said in verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, 
may have an abundance for every good work. God is the provider. God is the giver here. He's given us so much, and what Paul is saying, God has provided you the sufficiency to be a giver. I don't know if we sometimes think of it in that those terms. But God, when you look at the good works, He's provided for us the ability. How, do you do, how does He do that? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor with his hands that he may have something to give to him who is in need. God has given us the ability to work. He's given us the ability to be able to invest and to make a profit. And when you look at those who are the most blessed, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18, he's talking about Charge those who are rich in this present world that they be not high-minded nor have their hopes set on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good. Let them be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Be rich in good works. If God's blessed me with plenty, then I ought to be able to help others with that. 2 Timothy 2.21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. You see, God gives us the ability, God gives us the incentive, and God gives us the direction for that. Where do we find that? 2 Timothy 3.16 he said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for, for reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished, or thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, scriptures guide me and direct me in what good works actually are and how that I should perform them. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the, or Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God works through us to accomplish His will. So I understand it's something I learned, something that's stirred up in me. It's something that I understand that God has prepared me for. Now I've got to understand that that's what people know us by. If I were to ask you how many of us are known for our great knowledge... There may be a few who would say that. But more than likely, the things that impact people the most is what we do. How we carry out our Christianity in our everyday good works. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. Because as John is writing to these Christians, I believe some of them must have been young in the faith because he calls them my little children. 
And he comes to verse 10 in chapter 3 and he says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. In other words, you can recognize who they are. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor does he who nor is he who does not love his brother. You can look if a person's not performing acts of righteousness. Now, don't misunderstand that. Not like that uh, self-righteous Pharisee who prayed with himself that he considered himself righteous and put all others down or set them at naught. We're talking about true righteousness, doing righteousness. He said, that's the way you can tell. That's the reason why Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 4.22, For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children. They have no understanding. They are wise to do evil. But to do good, they have no knowledge. You see, God's people in Jeremiah's day were not treating people well. They are treating them badly. And I know all of us are very familiar with Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. As Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. You see, we're known by what we do, whether it is good or bad. In that same great sermon in chapter 5 and verse 16, he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Peter said much the same in 1 Peter 2.12, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they behold, Glorify God in the day of visitation. But you know, you can separate people who are God's people from those who are not God's people by what you see in them. We can recognize them. I think about the Old Testament, about David and Saul. Jonathan was a friend of David and a son of Saul. It must have been a challenge for him to deal with that. And he had, Saul had been pursuing David and trying to harm him one time after another. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. Jonathan said, look at David and look at yourself. You are mistreating David. David has done only good to you. You can see that. In Luke 6 and verse 33, when Jesus is describing the difference, he said, and if you do good that does good to you, what credit is that for even sinners do the same? Christians are recognized by the fact they do good to everybody just like God does.
But now I think it's worthy of our time to focus now at the good works themselves and see how they represent our Lord and how they help people. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to the book of Acts, to chapter 10 and verse 38. Here's Cornelius. And he's learning about Jesus. And he's learning about the truth and who Jesus is and what Jesus did in this life. He said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing who were all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You see... Jesus was a good man who did good deeds to everybody. And we have to realize that good works are building up the Lord's kingdom. They make the Lord's church stronger. You know, when you start looking at the phrase good works as it appears throughout the New Testament, and then you go back to the Old Testament, you recognize how some of these can have such great impact. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah had returned to the city of Jerusalem after it had been destroyed and had lain um, in destruction for years, that 70-year period of time. And there were those who were trying to destroy God's people. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 18 says, And I told them the hand of my God was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. It was a time to build the kingdom of God. When you come to the New Testament, there's a parallel to us. It's a good work if we look at this congregation, if we look at this community, and we say we're going to build it by good works. In 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, this is a faithful saying. The man desires the office of a bishop. He desires a good work. You see, the Lord saw in his infinite wisdom that just like there was a need for a Nehemiah in the Old Testament to lead it, there needed to be elders, there needed to be shepherds, bishops, to lead the Lord's work so that good works may be done. I think it's amazing that as a person approaches this study that you find good works quite frequently associated with good women. As you go to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, he's talking about women and men. He wants the men to pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And he talks about women, he says in verse 10, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. How many good women have you known who have demonstrated their good works that they have done? Matthew 26 and verse 10. Jesus was being, there were people criticizing the woman and criticizing Jesus. And Jesus said, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. Acts 9 and verse 36 about Tabitha. 
or Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds which she did. First Timothy 5 and verse 10 talks about those widows who said who are well reported of for good works. She's brought up children. She's lodged strangers. She's washed the saints' fleet. Feet. She has relieved the afflicted and diligently followed every good work. But you know, it's not just good women who do that. In fact, one of the great things is young men. This afternoon, in the elders and deacons meeting, Brother Steve Hillis brought up the fact that our young people were wanting to do some good works and asking for opportunities for them to do such. And when you read Titus chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, he talks about the younger men in all things showing yourself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that anyone who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing to say evil to say of you. Young men can demonstrate them their lives of being good, solid, hardworking in the community. See, here's what you come up with. There's an endless number of opportunities for us. There may be opportunities for older men to demonstrate their wisdom, to offer as a good work, as a good service, some encouragement to younger men. Older women can be able to instill within younger women the great desire as she has demonstrated it through her lives. Younger people can begin to do it and learn to do good works from the time they're young. You can learn to call the sick, the shut-ins, the elderly. Give them a word of encouragement. You can pat some young person on the back as they're serving the Lord with diligence. You can help somebody who is sick, who is depressed, who is downtrodden. Folks, there's all kinds of good works that you and I can do. But when we're doing good works... The devil does not have time to be in our lives. If we're focusing our minds, our hearts, and our actions on the things that are good, then the devil has no place in our lives. God's going to look at us, everything we say, everything we do. And according to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14, he's going to bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it is good or evil. You know, I often think about the secret things. We tend to think about the secret things as being bad. But you know, when Jesus gave that great Sermon on the Mount, he talked about doing things in secret, good things. Let not the left hand know what the right hand is doing. And then you and I, we will stand before the God of heaven and we will give an account According to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, for we all must be manifest or appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive according to the things done in the body, whether good or bad. So I end with Galatians 6 and verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men and especially those who are the household of faith. This evening, I have to believe that 
whenever you have an audience of this size. And there are young people who are learning and growing and have an opportunity that here's a good time for you to become a New Testament Christian. But I don't want to just concentrate on young people. In our audience, we always have those who are a little bit older and have not yet obeyed the gospel. Everything is ready for you. We love you. God loves you. Jesus loves you. It's just an opportunity that is sitting before you and you need to take advantage of it. If you're here tonight and you're a Christian, you look at your life and you realize, I'm not right with God. That's why at the end of every sermon, every lesson we present, is because God's invitation remains open. It's a convenient opportunity for you to do that tonight. Would you come as together we stand and sing?